Welcome to another episode of Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Pastor Ken Jones of Glendale Baptist Church, and I'm joined by our regular panel of co-hosts. We have Pastor David Menendez from Tamiami Baptist Church, Pastor Aldo Leon from the Reconcile Church, which is a PCA congregation. That's and right. also, uh, I just have to mention it. You, you mention it every time. Huh? Is, 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 that, is it a, little, it's a little, little salt in that or what? Not at all. It's all, it's all sweet. <laughs> and, and we also have Pastor Jose Prado from Christ Family Church. No denominational. He, yeah, he is. They're, they're not Southern they're, Baptist. They're not they're SBC. non-denominational, right? SBC. SBC, absolutely. You're Baptist? <laughs> I didn't know that, bro. <laughs> and uh, we are joined again with uh, by our very special guest, uh, Elise Fitzpatrick, who is a Christian counselor, uh, part-time blogger, full-time mom, hu- wife, and grandmother. But she is the author of over 20 books, and we greatly appreciated her ministry over the years. We uh, Maybe some of you are familiar with her as a conference speaker. Uh, most notably here in South Florida in the Liberate conferences that were held uh, in, uh, where is that? Uh, Coral Ridge. Coral Ridge, yeah, Coral Ridge. Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Yeah, Yeah. that's the city. That's the city, Fort Mm -hmm. Lauderdale. But thank you for joining us again, Elise. Great conversation that we definitely want to continue. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, in our last session we closed out by talking about how it's possible to have a personal grasp of the gospel but be insulated in terms of how it impacts all of our living and all of our doing and primarily and I think as you you pointed out Elise as it relates to um, our neighbor how we see our neighbor that we don't we, we see ourselves we define ourselves by a number of different things and you mentioned specifically uh, the experiment that you had with your family on, on your podcast, uh, recognizing white privilege. And that opens, when, when you start, and I want you to kind of go back to that a little bit, the response that people had to you even using the language of white privilege. Yeah. Because we, we get yeah. this in so many different areas. Even when it comes to social justice, it's almost as if people mm-hmm. think that you're all you're jumping all in and you're, you know, becoming mm-hmm. a, a part of some kind of political agenda. So could you kind of talk about the response that you got to that? Yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to. Um, let me say, first of all, I'm I you know, I I'm not going to say that I'm coming to this as a person who's always been aware of white privilege. And, and I, I am white, I'm actually half Jewish, so you would think that I would know a little bit more about, you know, discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I came to this a, a, a little bit hesitantly, I want to say. My daughter, Jessica, and actually my son, who is a PCA, is ordained in the PCA, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, they, they started feeding me books and telling me, you know, Mom, you, you got to start thinking about this because you don't think about it at all. Now, I want you to understand, uh, up until a couple of months ago, I lived in a city called Escondido in mm-hmm. Southern California. And Escondido is 85% Latino. Okay? Mm-hmm. And um, 
I don't think that I ever even thought about the fact that the way that I lived in Escondido would be hmm. different hmm. than the way that my Latino neighbors lived in Escondido. And the privilege and the way that, I'm going to be really honest here, I'm sorry. That's okay. The way that I would look down on um, the people in my city hmm. um, as though, and, and you know, I, as though they, you know, they were all interlopers or right. something. Right. Uh, and I, and I'm sure you have that same dynamic in South Florida um, going on, but I, I, I don't think I was ever really even aware of it. Uh, and then I started reading. <laughs> And then became aware of the fact that these are my neighbors mm. that I basically um, looked down on mm. in my mind would denigrate. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and see the gospel. And so what the gospel does, so I'm going to make a connection here, yes. hopefully. It was a connection nice. for me. What the gospel does is it makes you able to not only not only see but own up to yeah. your basic hatred yeah. of people who are not like you. Mm-hmm. Right. It frees you. The gospel frees you to not be afraid of saying this is the kind of person I am. That's right. Yeah. Would you say, Elise, that it does that because the, um, the message of the cross, the message of the gospel addresses you with the grace of God saying you are that outsider, that alien, mm-hmm. that foreigner, yeah. that hateful being, and yet mm-hmm. I have made you near and I have reconciled you and I have bestowed all my love upon you. Well, and, and I think this is—go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. So we it. identify on the down end. Yeah. Having brought in. So when we look outside to those that are on the fringe, we can but mm-hmm. say, I am one of them. Well, and that's the work of the law to reveal to us how yes. we are to see our neighbors. And the work of the law, the conviction of the law, is when I see that I do not, when I am convicted that I do not see uh, my neighbor. As a as an equal image bearer of God, but wouldn't you say, Ken, that it is because because uh, we hear that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So, but, it but, is but, the, I'm, I'm, we're not denying that. We're okay. saying first, the law sure. provides us the standard, Absolutely. the grid by which we are to see our neighbor, and then as we are fed with the gospel, correct, the gospel receives us, as you said, yeah. as aliens. Yeah. I am that and breaker. Exactly. Yeah. And now it shows me that what the way what the way God sees me yeah. in my Ex- fallen state, right? And He has re- received me. Mm-hmm. That's the love through which I am to see my neighbor. Amen. Yeah. See, the only what the gospel does when you let it get down into you. <laughs> That's hard. When when the spirit, uh, you know, drives it into you, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, beats it into your head, as Luther would say. Mm. When 
when that begins to happen, then I begin not to be, I begin to not worry about my reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I begin to be free enough yeah. to say, yeah, I'm this screwed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just not this sort of nice, nice lady that you might see on the street. Yeah. No, actually, yeah. this is who I am. Yeah. And Ken, you're right. The law does that because yeah. the law, Jesus, God doesn't grade on a curve. No. <laughs> right. What he, what he demands is perfection. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I look at myself and I see what I am, not only what I was when I, you know, when I first came to Christ in 1971, but what I am even now, after 40-whatever years, how I still, you know, I still don't obey even the basic law mm-hmm. to love God and my neighbor. I still don't. Yeah. And yet, mm-hmm. Christ comes to me mm-hmm. with forgiveness and welcome and the declaration of righteousness. Yeah. And because of that, I can get on a podcast Yep. with you mm. and say, yeah, I'm that messed up. Who yeah. am I to mm. turn my back on a neighbor? Right. Yeah. As, as I was thinking about like what we talked about last show, was that's why the doctrine of alien imputed forensic righteousness as, yep. as the initial, <laughs> ongoing, and future yep. and final place of righteousness, right. it really doesn't... Yes. I think the reason why yeah. we're, we have racial... Uh, uh, issues is because there's deep down in us some suspicion that there is some kind of intrinsic righteousness yeah it's unbelief yes yes i'm unrighteousness but the but but the jewish righteousness that i have or the white righteousness that i have or the that was a part of it but but Mm -hmm. the doctrine of forensic imputed uh outside of us alien righteousness it basically says that no human brought one single ounce initially Mm -hmm. regularly or finally to that, and it just it, it, it doesn't allow for that to be some sort of sane position of a Christian because, mm. yeah. yeah. Well, uh, at least let's take this a step further in terms of mm-hmm. making uh, practical applications of these wonderful gospel truths as it relates to identity, and much has been mm-hmm. made about identity politics and gender. Um, can you speak specifically, and I have greatly appreciated some of your, your messages. Uh, in grounding our identity in Christ, how does that speak to Reformed women? Because in the same way that you were talking about white privilege, in the same way that people get nervous when they hear Christians or Reformed Christians talk about social justice because they think you're now making the gospel social. uh, And and some are. (laughs) <laughs> well, but, 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 because but, of the but, reality. Yeah, but, some are. Yeah, some are, but, but that's on. Some are not, what, some are. What is it that some people are not messing up? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's sure they are. Always have. Um, but but the issue, what about, you know, we can't jettison the, the concept because some people are messing it up. And the same thing about the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. We don't jettison the Holy Spirit because hyper-Pentecostals get it wrong. So how does right. that, that speak, especially with Me Too and a lot of other feminist issues, mm-hmm. how does a healthy grounding in who we are in Christ give our Reformed women a better, a, a better way of dealing with some of these issues? Because let's face it, 
they deal with some of these gender-specific exclusion issues even in the context of our churches. So how, how do we handle that in light of who we are in Christ? So, like, how much time do we have? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start out. Hey, Twelve more um, minutes. I think, <laughs> I think generally speaking, Reformed women, and again, really broad brush, mm-hmm. Uh, Reformed women uh, love the doctrines of grace and know that they are, um, you know, they they know they're justified. Well, they've heard the word justified. They know that they're (laughs) forgiven. But so much of the emphasis on uh, being a good mother and uh, being a good wife, um, that emphasis, it's like, I have heard women be asked, if Jesus came into your house today, would he feel comfortable because you keep such a nice house? Oh, <laughs> no, listen, Ooh. you guys are laughing. And no, I am laughing response. to masquerade, mask the tears. That's horrible. Um, that kind of stuff. That, And you oh. can, you know, ask the ladies who are sitting listening. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that's fed to women nonstop. You need to look a certain way, mm-hmm. and if you don't look a certain way, your husband will wander. Your house needs to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, and, and not even saying anything about women who are single mm-hmm. and yes. perhaps choose to be single or perhaps choose not to be single Hmm. or women who don't have children perhaps by choice perhaps not Mm -hmm. and we have so idolized the nuclear family and made it and and it's please don't misunderstand i've been married for 40 something years and and i have three kids and i have six grandkids and i love the family and i love the christian family Mm -hmm. but we have absolutely made it an idol and it is crushing women Mm. yeah yeah because their whole identity is wrapped up in tends to be wrapped up in how are my kids doing Mm -hmm. how is my husband doing And I mean, they're told things like, don't pray, don't you be the person to pray in a group where there's men, because you'll be usurping a man's authority. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know where you guys are with that, but... Pray, um, pray, pray on. (laughs) Speaking for myself, I guess. No, we're good. I I think complementarianism has definitely oftentimes been a an excuse and cover for chauvinism and and it's all thank you i understand yep yep yeah it's like you know go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say that i think people they misinterpret the 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 letter of a text with the spirit of a text so when the spirit of the text says women are not allowed to speak in church the spirit of that is it's it's talking about oversight in the context of 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 the office Mm -hmm. of overseer and but the letter of the text says be quiet yeah. and and people mm-hmm. interpret the letter of the text and it's it's not because they're being textual it's because they just have major issues that they just lord over the text yeah know, they, they, they overlook that small little detail where paul says if a woman prays or prophesies exactly. in a particular way he doesn't deny the mm. praying or the prophesying exactly. well said. exactly yeah mm-hmm. thank you 
So, you know, the problem is, listen, we are all sinners, men and women, we are all sinners. Hmm. And if we can figure out a way to get what we want and to, uh, and to make it a religious thing to get what we want, hmm. then we will do that. All of us will do that. Now, I'm going to say something about the Me Too movement, because, guys, I, I posted on that. Okay. Uh, I posted that I was date raped. This is so hard for me to say, but I'm going to say it because I want your ears to listen hmm. to hear it. Hmm. I was date raped in 1971, and uh, I was and I was accosted by a guy at work um, who cornered me. Um, so that's a Me Too moment for me. Mm-hmm. If you, if, if what we need to do is we need to understand, and maybe what's going on with Me Too movement and Kavanaugh and all of that, I don't, I don't want to get into all of that. But what I do want to say is that there is immense abuse going on in the Christian Church of women. Yes. And no women are not being allowed to talk about it. Yes. And they are basically a lot of them being told. You know, so you're, you know, that was, that was decades ago. I mean, guys, listen, I can't even talk about that Mm. without feeling like I'm going to weep. Yeah. Mm. And that was in like how many decades ago? Um, It's so shameful to a woman to have to admit that something like that happened. Um. So what I want to do is I want to say, look, another place that the gospel needs to burrow down is into the relationships between males and females in the church. And yes, I am complementarian, Mm -hmm. but there is a patriarchal, um, there's a a patriarchal, uh, um, hyper-patriarchal, I don't even know if that's a word. No, well, it's, where, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Where men, males, are, are, um, are looking at women almost with disdain Yeah. Uh, in some ways. And I mean, you know, they, they love their wives. Sure. But, you know, it's the other, it's the women. The problems are the women. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I just I just really want to encourage pastors. You know, we, you guys are all pastors, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my two cents in. Sure. Yeah. When you sit down hmm. to write a sermon, hmm. you need to have around you uh, one or two women, uh, your wife, yes, of course, but maybe someone else, another woman, and you need to just say, hey, these are these are illustrations, perhaps, that I would use to talk about this text, if you use illustration, Mm -hmm. and say, does this resonate with you, or do you know, or does this say that I'm really only trying to reach the guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, if if you're going to talk about the NFL or the NBA or whatever, (laughs) you know, ask yourself. uh, At least you touch on something that I think is huge, and especially as relates to dealing with things that happened in the past. 
you know, as an African American, for instance, uh, people say, well, you guys have been free since 1865. Yeah. Get over it. You there know, you slavery go. ended in yeah. 1865, forgetting the fact that Jim Crow lasted another hundred years. Right. And right. Uh, the residue of those things remain with you. And anytime you start talking about uh, real existing issues of that order. It's as if you you don't look you don't think any progress has been made, and they they overlook the the lingering effect of that particular sin. And as it relates to right. women, whether it's uh, a, a particular incident, and thank you by the way for opening up on such a, a sensitive subject. But there was forty years ago, you couldn't say that. You couldn't say mm-hmm. that out loud. You couldn't mm-hmm. say that on a podcast mm-hmm. or a radio mm-hmm. uh, program without being right. ostracized mm-hmm. because the people right. will say, well, why didn't you say something at the time? Right. Which overlooks the fact. So there, mm-hmm. there is a way in which we have to deal, and it's amazing, this comes especially in reform circles, they want us to acknowledge confessions that have been written four or 500 years ago and we can't deal with sin that happened two years ago. You know, it's, it's, right. it's amazing the inconsistency there. So how do we see ourselves, because we, we are creatures of extreme. I think it was Francis Schaeffer that said, the hardest thing for man to maintain since the fall is balance. And dealing with these issues in a balanced way where you as a Christian, a reformed Christian woman can talk about uh, issues of the past or even present or concerns for your daughters and granddaughters without mm-hmm. sounding like a, a liberal feminist. You know, mm-hmm. how can we deal with that in a balanced way to say these are real issues in the same way as an African-American? How can we talk about issues and concerns of policing in inner city areas without sounding like you are or being misunderstood and misrepresented as a right or as a, as a left wing social right. gospel person? Mm-hmm. How do we right. deal with these things through the lens of the gospel? Right, and and I, I think that the only way we can do it, first of all, is if we approach the topic in humility. Mm. You know, so and that, you know that's that's easy for me to say, but it's a it's an approach to the topic in humility, either listening to someone else talk about their experience, or my own talking about. Gee, these are the things that I'd love to see happen. Um. To, to approach it in humility and patience, because Christ humbled himself, mm. so therefore I need to humble myself and say, and of course, you know, Jesus isn't just my example, he's also my righteousness, you know, we're, we're assuming all of that. Right. But then just to say, okay, so in humility, how can I, how can I love my neighbor? And if somebody then comes back at me when I talk about this kind of stuff, and says, yeah, Elise, you're just a feminist. Well, you know, I mean, that's the same thing that you you probably get when you want to talk about race relations. Yeah. Um, then I have to say, well, you know, I, I, I'm sure that I don't have pure motive, sure. but when I read the gospel, the gospel tells me yeah. that I need to, to carry the burdens of the Samaritan on the road. And I, I mean, uh, of the of the wounded person on the Jericho Road. Therefore, I need to 
I need to listen to what other people have to say. And the gospel again, see, this is why we're missing it, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the gospel doesn't hold that center. So if the gospel says to me, Elise, it's very possible that you're a racist. Mm -hmm. It's also very possible that you have feminist tendencies. You know, it's very possible that you don't love your... If I can be willing to admit that, yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. I can hear someone else. Yeah. Would you say at least the that the gospel is the only thing that'll do that? It, mm. it, you are enabled now by the power of that new gospel identity to not right. have to run with the anger of the broken, hurt, old identity of let's say feminist uh, liberal. Now you can confess the hurt. Now you can right. cry out for justice. Yet. Not in the ultimate mm-hmm. anger of an ideology that is ultimate, other than the ultimacy of the gospel, in which now what you're seeking is reconciliation and the word of mm-hmm. forgiveness, where we have all come mm-hmm. into this, not only having been hurt, but also becoming abuses ourselves in some form of sins. Right. And now we can right. tackle some of those issues uh, yeah. that are burning. I'm about to, I'm about to vomit. Can I say something? I got to say something. Sure. <laughs> Um, here's what, what I, what, when I, when I hear with all this stuff, it goes back to the same issue because Christianity has become more about God empowering us to not need Christ and less about us perpetually right. walking into our need for Christ. These kind of things flush themselves out. So I can't address, uh, racial issues that would somehow inflict negatively upon me because I, Jesus has to rescue me from needing rescue now as a Christian. I can't address women issues and, and, yeah, and, nice. and because Christianity is essentially about using Christ <laughs> to become good enough to not need yeah. his ongoing rescue. Right. And so because that's the culture, that's the backdrop that glues together yeah. everything. Like the conversations are very stupid or they don't exist. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. Wow. There you go. I vomited. Well, no, we've got, we're running out of time here, but Elise, thank you so much for coming on. We might have to call on you again. (laughs) You got to come down for one of the conferences. Uh, Would you come down to it? I'd love to, and uh, I'd love to be on again with you guys. Um, You know, my, my heart is let the gospel free, let the gospel be free in our hearts and in our speech and mm. in our witness, and let it burrow down on into wherever it needs to go to, you know, to free us that we can love one another uh, and admit that we don't. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. We look forward to speaking with you again, Elise. Sure. Thanks, Ken. All right. Thank you for joining us here on Saints and Sinners Unplugged. We look forward to being with you again next week at the same time.